If you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2, and for some reason my some reason my notes aren't coming up so I'll have to go to plan B Proverbs chapter 2 God willing will be expounding verses 20 through 22 Proverbs have been teaching us about our need to walk the paths of God's word that he's He's taken his word and laid out paths for us to travel in life. We've been learning all about that. And now we're coming to the end of this chapter. And the chapter began by saying, if you look with me at verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. And because receiving God's word and taking heed... To his commandments is what it means to walk the paths that he wants us to travel. It's all the same thing. And walking the path is an illustration to help us visualize obedience and adherence to his word. And then throughout this chapter, Solomon has been giving us examples of how God's path can deliver us from unnecessary destruction that sin can bring upon our lives. And now as we come to the end of the chapter... Solomon sums up the chapter by saying, You should receive God's word and hide his commandments in your heart. Look now in verse 20. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men. And simply put, as he's summing this up, kind of putting a bow on the package of chapter 2. If we walk in the way of good men, then we will avoid the unnecessary heartache of bad men. (laughs) If we walk in the way of good men, then we'll avoid the unnecessary heartache of bad men, which they encounter by walking the paths that are contrary to the will of God. The choice of which pathway that we take in life is entirely up to us. That's why I keep reiterating unnecessary unnecessary the choice of the path we take in society will tell you different society always wants to point the finger at something else or somebody else for the choices that we make those choices belong to us we own them and so the pathway you take it's entirely up to you and so The choices we make determine the heartaches that we and our loved ones will experience. Because we live in a fallen world, we all suffer our share of heartache, don't we? We all suffer our share of death, experience with death with our loved ones and ourselves. But the vast majority of heartaches that we experience in this world are completely avoidable. Repeat that again. The vast majority of heartache that we experience in this world is completely avoidable. 
this is a simple fact that many people are just not willing to accept. Because they follow the lusts of their fallen flesh, many people would rather take the path of bad men and then blame the harmful results on good men. That's what the wicked people do. I remember several years back when school shootings were starting to be a thing. They were getting to be on the rise. And uh, there was a particular liberal Democrat running for office. He was on the news and he warned the public that the nation couldn't afford to let the conservatives gain control of the public school system. And I remember thinking, when God-fearing conservatives had control of the public school system, we didn't have to worry about school shootings. We didn't need any school police officers. How many of y'all, when y'all grew up, had a police officer at the school? You did? How old are you? Oh, well, she's she's more than a decade younger than me. How about that? It all changed, didn't it? I thought y'all were older, I'm sorry. I mean, you look much younger. But because of how mature you act, I thought you were much older. There we go. I saved that one, didn't I? Well, one person, you know. And the rest of us, there were not. I mean, we've got homeschool kids in here. Y'all don't have any policemen at your house, right? Okay, right, we're good there. But there weren't any school shootings. There, there weren't any police officers, school resource officers. And the students back then, I was one included. We'd drive to school with a shotgun in the back of our, you know, our, our gun rack and our pickup trucks. No one thought anything about it. It's just what boys did. It was completely legal. But the liberals got hold of the school system and they kicked God out of school. And then they started pulling the Ten Commandments off the halls in the hallway that, that the young people would be exposed to. That, and, and that taught the young people to love God and to care for their neighbor. And, and they began teaching the kids that they evolved from animals and that, and that it was all an accident. They had no special purpose in life whatsoever, just an accident, and then they forbade them from praying to their Creator. And then when the kids stopped fearing God, because there's not a God, according to the liberals, and when they stopped obeying the Ten Commandments, and when they stopped caring about their neighbors, and when they started treating people like the animals that they were told the people are, who have no special purpose in life whatsoever, and they begin killing each other. Then the liberals doubled down. They didn't say, oh, we made some bad choices here. Let's reflect and let's change and go back to the way things were before. No, they doubled down on traveling the bad path that they were on. And started blaming the people who were traveling the good path for the bad problems they were experiencing. Can't let them get a hold of the system. They started blaming the people on the good path. For the bad problems they were experiencing. Solomon said. We need to be people who travel the paths of good men. Look back in your text. And keep the paths of the righteous. Now if you'll underscore the word keep please. Keep. Not take. Not take the path of the righteous. But keep the paths of the righteous. Solomon said to avoid the unnecessary heartache. We need to keep the paths of the righteous. 
Meaning we should not only take the paths that God has given us, but we must stay on those paths and never depart from them. Let me tell you, that's why the title of this message is, is uh, keeping, the, uh, keeping the Paths. Let me see if I make sure. Uh, what, what, what was the title, official title I gave it? Keeping the, way. keeping the Way. I knew it was something catchy. I just couldn't remember the exact words. Keeping the Way. But here's the important thing. You can't expect to enjoy the benefits of a smooth road. If you leave a good road and start traveling down a bad road, you just can't. You're on the interstate and it's nice and smooth. You say, you know what, I think I'm going to take that country road over there. And you just start going down there. Well, you, you can't say, well, that, that good road did me no good at all. Look how bumpy it is. And I got on that good road back yonder. Yeah. And then you departed from that. And then you got on the bad road. You can't expect to enjoy the benefits like that. Israel was traveling down the good road of God's commandments when they entered in that promised land under the leadership of Joshua. They went in taking the paths of righteousness and they began prospering in that land and everything God promised them was coming to pass. But when Joshua died, when you read in the book of Judges, they left that good road. They started traveling down a bad road, began worshiping false gods and, 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 and disobeying God's command. And, and so when they traveled down the, the path of bad men, they began experiencing the unnecessary bumps along the way. Because they weren't following God's word. And so God would send them a judge. And the judge would try to get them back on the right path. And and when they got back on the right path, they would start enjoying the smooth road of walking the paths that God's given them again. But then when the judge died, they didn't leave the road. They start traveling down the bad road again. Because a bunch of young people grew up. And they started saying, all oh, our parents don't know what they're talking about. Let's take this road over here. It works out for those nations. That's what the devil would tell them. And they'd make the same mistakes the generation back before them made. Solomon said, we need to keep the paths of the righteous. Not just get on them when we're in trouble. That's what happened with the, with the people during the book of Judges. When the road got really bumpy, they'd cry out, oh, God help us. God help us. Well, had they been walking with God to begin with, they never would have gotten on that bumpy road. They never would have gone out of the way. We've got to keep the paths of righteousness, not get on and get off and get on and get off. When I was a highway patrolman, I knew, Brother Shepherd, I, I think, I'm not sure where all he patrolled at, but I would assume he may have had the same trouble we had in the area I was at. But I knew... That when it rained and I stopped a car, I better not stand in that grass. I don't know if you had that trouble. Where were you at? Central. You may not have had that trouble. I don't know. But I knew when it rained in Jacksonville, Cherokee County, Texas, you better stay off that grass when you stop a car. Because I knew by experience that if I stood in the grass after it rained... 
I'd soon have fire ants all over me. Did you ever have them get on you? Huh? What did he say? Too quick. All right. He is more than better than the average man. There's no doubt about that. But I think it is in Cherokee County that it got him. But the thing is, when, when, I mean, I knew, but sometimes I would forget about the ants. Because you'd never want to stand in between the cars in case your car got hit from behind and you, you know, you get pinned in between the cars. And so it was kind of a balancing act. So you kind of had to take your patrol car, swing it a little bit over this way right here to leave you a little spot on the pavement. So the, the car would still be over here and you'd have a little bit of improved shoulder. And every now and then, just out of habit, I would get over here and I'd just go ahead and get in the grass. And you know those fire ants, they have a thing when they get on you, they don't bite you. One won't bite you. They, they give a scent out when they get several on you. And they give that scent out and it's kind of like going, one, two, three. Okay, bite them now. And then they start biting you. And so I would forget about those ants and I'd get over there in the grass and I'd be writing somebody up. And next thing you know, I mean they were all over me. And when that happened... It didn't matter how many times I stood on the pavement before. You see what I'm saying? It mattered where I was standing right then. When I left the pavement and stood in the grass, my faithfulness to stand on the pavement in the past could not deliver me from the fire ants in the grass at the present time. I had to keep the pavement to keep the fire ants off of me. And Christian, don't depend. And this is the this is the dangerous thing about being a mature Christian. A, a, a person who's got some time under their belt, a seasoned Christian. Because a lot of times in your Christian walk you'll go through stages. When you're first saved, hopefully You'll get hungry. Everything's new. Everything's exciting. You want to learn as much as you can. And so you start getting in the Word. You start growing and everything. And as you mature in the faith, your confidence grows as a Christian and it should. Your boldness grows as a Christian and it should. And as you're walking with the Lord, you begin to enjoy the blessings of the smooth road of good men. Taking the paths that God's given. You enjoy those blessings. But what happens is. And what can happen is. You begin to grow accustomed to the blessings. And you forget. That the blessings are on account of the road you're on. That's what happened with Israel. They started getting accustomed to God's blessings. Accustomed to being safe from the enemy. Accustomed to their, their fields bearing fruit. And, and, and their land giving its increase. And God's blessing be upon them. They got accustomed to it year after year after year. And they thought, look, this is the way life is. So they drift off the road. They stepped off the pavement into the grass. The wet grass where the fire ants are. Assuming... That everything was going to be right this year as it was the year before and the year before that. And so as a Christian, 
we can grow so accustomed to God's mercy and His blessings in our lives. We'll begin to lose that hunger. Our prayer life will begin to deteriorate some. And next thing you know, we drift off the boundaries we had set for ourselves before, the standards we had set for ourselves before, assuming that everything's going to be like it was in the past. Like Samson. When he got up, and Delilah said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he rose up thinking, I'll go out and smite them like I did before. It's too late. Too late. Then run off that road. Christian, don't depend on your obedience in the past to deliver you from your disobedience today. Don't depend on your obedience in the past to deliver you from your disobedience today. Mark this down in your Bible or in your margin uh, or your notes. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33.12, if you want to write that down. Ezekiel 33.12. The Bible says, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Did you get that? The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. One of the greatest traps for the children of God is for them to grow accustomed to God's blessing and then grow complacent to their sin. We must never let that happen to us. We must keep the righteous paths that God has ordained for us. We must never let the blessings on the pavement cause us to forget the ants in the grass. Look now in verse 21, for the upright shall dwell in the land. I believe Solomon's referring both to the temporary kingdom Israel as well as the eternal kingdom of Israel when he's talking about the upright dwelling in the land. First, Solomon spoke of the temporary kingdom of Israel assuredly, meaning the kingdom that then existed that Solomon was king over and that David his father was king over before it ruled by God's wisdom and by God's power. And God had given Israel the promise that they would continue to dwell in that promised land as long as they followed His Word. But God also warned Israel that they would be scattered from the land, cut off from the land if they departed from it. If they departed from His Word. Write down Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. Listen to what told Mo- Moses told Israel. He said, when you shall have remained long in the land. Listen to that. You, when you shall have remained long in the land. When you become seasoned in the land. You've grown used to God's blessings in the land. And have dealt corruptly by making a graven image. The likeness of anything. And shall do evil in the sight of Jehovah your God. To provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. That you shall soon utterly perish from all the land. Which you are crossing over Jordan to possess. You shall not prolong your days upon it. But shall utterly be destroyed. No doubt Solomon is referring to that. So if Israel turned from the way of God's commandments, if they didn't keep the way of good men, then they put themselves and their children in jeopardy of being destroyed and driven out of the land that God had given them. 
Although God hasn't made a covenant with the United States or with the state of Texas as he did Israel, the Bible says righteousness will exalt a nation, but sin is a reproach to a nation. So this is in some form applicable to us. God blesses nations that follow his word. But as long as Israel kept the commandments of their God, those upright people would dwell in the land. Look back in your text. And Solomon said, the perfect shall remain in it. Now, when, when, when the Bible says perfect here, he's not talking about someone who's sinless, someone who doesn't make mistakes. The word perfect means whole. And think of it like this. If I'm going to do something, how about this? If I'm going to love my wife, should I love her half-heartedly or wholeheartedly? Wholeheartedly, right? If I love her wholeheartedly, then I love her with a perfect heart. Make sense? If I don't love her with a perfect heart, then I'm half-hearted toward it. Okay? And when you're half-hearted, you're what the Bible calls double-minded. You see, your whole mind, your whole heart. It's not like Peter when he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We're sure you're the one. (laughs) I'm following you. That was wholehearted, you see. He wasn't splitting his devotion up to anybody. And so you couldn't split your devotion up with God. You couldn't say, well, I'll, I'll have God, I'll have his temple, but I'll have Baal and little idols in the temple too. I'll, I'll, I'll serve them all. And some Israelis did that. But he said the perfect shall remain in it. Meaning they loved God with their whole heart. Did not half-heartedly serve him. The perfect people didn't think. Well God is a good God. But you know Baal he's got his benefits too. Now they were not divided in their love. And devotion to God. But they place their whole trust in Him alone. If you're half-hearted. Then you may only follow God halfway. If you're half-hearted. You may take the good road to begin with. Like the people who follow Jesus. And then when times get bad. You may go ahead and exit that road. You don't keep it. You just go right off of it. That's half-hearted people. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you're not perfect in heart, you may serve Baal in the good times. And then when things get dangerous and your enemies come against you, then you'll want to seek God in the bad times. But if you're perfect in heart, you're going to serve God at all times. You'll have no other God before him. So the perfect shall remain in the promised land, Solomon said, verse 22, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth. Either through war or pestilence or famine. God would remove the wicked from the promised land. He'd cut them off. They'd be cut off from the earth. And that basically means they'd die. They'd perish in their sin. But once again, this does not only apply to the nation of Israel that was at that time under men's leadership. But it also applies eternally to the nation of Of Israel in the sense of God's kingdom that's on its way. 
that the Lord Jesus will rule in forever. Anything that you see about the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, it is only a foreshadowing of the big picture of God's kingdom under Jesus. Okay? So when Solomon speaks about something going on during his reign, and he applies God's principles to that, like in the Proverbs, the bigger spiritual truth is the kingdom reign of Jesus Christ and applying those principles eternally and spiritually to that kingdom. Does that make, make sense? All right? So we have to do that. The nation of Israel that was ruled by Solomon, again, was only a picture, but Jesus is going to come. He's going to rule forever. So taking the wrong path not only has temporary consequences, but it also has eternal consequences. Not keeping the good path. You see? You depart from the good path has eternal consequences. In first, I'm sorry, in the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. The way. What is He saying? I am the path. I am the path, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. When Jesus said He's the way, He's saying, I'm the path to God. I'm the path that men take to get to the Father to have eternal life. The gospel is the road that God has paved in His Word for good men to travel. Good men in the sense that they're making good decisions. Bad men in the sense of their flesh. But for men to travel to, to get to God to inherit everlasting life. By going through the cross. A person will be received by God and live with Christ on this earth. In His kingdom. When Jesus comes again. That's the path. That we have to keep. But those who will not come God's way. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. They will not enter into the kingdom of God. And if they don't enter into the kingdom of God. Now remember when you think of the kingdom of God. Don't think about angels and harps up there. Think about Jesus ruling and reigning down here. On the earth right now where we are. Solomon saying that the unrighteous people that don't keep the paths of God, they'll utterly perish off of the earth is what Solomon said. And so the point is this. If you don't keep the way of Christ, someone doesn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and have their faith in Him unto death, which remember we've learned in the past, those who truly trust in Him will always trust in Him. But the point is, those who profess faith in Christ, they start off on that path, they veer off that path, they say, no, nah, I'll do something else. Christianity is not for me. Those people will utterly perish off the land, off the earth. Jesus said, the meek inherit the earth. But those who rebel against the gospel of Jesus Christ, who rebel against God's commands, they won't inherit the earth. They'll utterly perish off of it. Remember what Jesus said in, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Those who will not come God's way cannot enter God's kingdom. John 3, 5. Jesus told Nicodemus, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
And so one day the kingdom of God will be the only thing on earth. The only people on earth will be citizens of the kingdom of God. So if you don't become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. Think of uh, a country with strict borders. It's hard to imagine one here, but imagine if you can. Okay, Imagine that we have borders on our north and our south and in our ports. And the only people that can come in are those who are American citizens. Can you just imagine that for a moment? Now, if that happens, then if you're not an American citizen and you come, then they would deny you access. If you were an American citizen and you come, then they would accept you into the nation. That makes sense? The same way with the kingdom of God. When Jesus comes and his kingdom is fully established here on earth and the kingdom's delivered up to the Father and all the judgments have been made and all that's taken place, the only people that will enter into that kingdom eternally are those who were citizens beforehand. You see? What we do here before Jesus comes, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're also accepting him as our king, you see? We're accepting entrance. We're accepting citizenship into his kingdom. And so we actually uh, have a, a naturalization, if you would. <laughs> a naturalization process, spiritual naturalization, uh, where uh, we convert to become citizens of God's kingdom. And then we wait on our king to come. We, on, we wait on his kingdom to come. That's why he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. Why? Because his kingdom is now our kingdom. We're part of it. So, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, unless you're born again through faith in Christ, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. When Jesus comes again, the wicked shall be cut off from the earth. Look back in, the, in your text. And the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. When I weed my garden, I like to pull the weeds up by the roots. Not by the tops. Pull them by the tops, blades will come back out. But if I get those roots, that plant's good, that plant's gone for good. In the same way, when Jesus comes again, He's going to root out every weed from His kingdom. Every unborn, every person who's not been born again, rather, uh, every unconverted soul who would not receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. That person is going to be rooted out of the kingdom, cut off from the earth. Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30. Jesus, the Bible says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. We're the good seed. We're born through faith in the seed of the gospel. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. While men slept. Boy, that's something, isn't it? And so the enemy comes in, sows false gospels, sows false Christians in among the, the, uh, the wheat. And then he went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? 
Yes, Jesus sowed good seed. He sold the gospel. From whence then hath it tares? How come we have hypocrites and false believers? He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. It wasn't Jesus. An enemy did it. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Shall we go root them up? But he said, Nay, or no, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Sometimes I do that. I'll go out. I'll trying to pull up something by the roots. And I'll see the plant that I'm trying to help. I'll see it kind of want to come up some too. And I know I'm damaging the roots when I'm doing that to the plant that's there. So I have to be careful. He said, no, don't do that. Let, he said, let both grow together until the harvest. The harvest is when Jesus comes. He said, let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Solomon said the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. And so Jesus went on to say in chapter 13 verse 40 through 43. Jesus said as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend in them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be weeping, I'm sorry, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous, that is the wheat, shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. That's the only thing that's going to shine. It's going to be a field with all wheat, no tares. Just beautiful field of wheat. Only Christians are going to live forever in the kingdom of God. There are temporary consequences in this life for not keeping the paths God's laid out for us. But there are also eternal consequences for the life to come. For those who depart from the saving path of the gospel. When Jesus comes, He'll leave no roots because when He is finished with this earth, the earth will be new and forever without sin. I thank God He's given me an eternal path, the path of Christ. By His grace, by His promise, I shall not leave the way, the truth, and the life. But I've been elect from the foundation of the world through Jesus Christ. I thank God for that. But I tell you what, in this life, in this life, I may never leave, I will never leave the path of Christ. But I may leave, because if you'll notice in the scriptures here in chapter 2, the word path is plural. Paths, you see. Jesus is the path to God. But there are other paths in God's word that we're to take that are paths to uh, temporary happiness, temporary blessing on this world. There's paths. It's plural. And so I will never leave the path to God my, through the cross. That path has been, thank God, forever solidified now through my faith in Christ. But that doesn't mean that I may make a bad choice and get off on a wrong path in this life and suffer from it today. 
that I may leave the pavement and go stand in the fire ants, you see? And so keep all of this in mind today. Just with Solomon, there were temporary issues with the kingdom he ruled in that he warned people about. There are eternal issues with the kingdom Christ rules in that we have to warn you about too. Put your feet on the path of the cross. That'll take you to heaven forever. Put your feet on the path of every commandment God gives you in His Word. That'll take you down a road with no unnecessary bumps and God's blessings on the way. You'll still experience the sin of this world like everybody else, but you won't experience the unnecessary drama and harm that sin will bring into your life when you obey Him. With that, we'll go ahead and stop and close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word. I thank You, Father, for Your warnings that scare us, Lord, to not depart from the pavement that You've given us. The warnings, Lord, that 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 uh, uh, sternly warn us to never leave the faith of Jesus Christ. But I thank You for the exceeding great and precious promises, Lord. That you've given us in your word for those who get on that path. Help us, Lord, to do like Solomon said. Help us to be those that take the paths of good men. Help us, Lord, to walk those paths today. Until you come again. In Jesus' precious